0: you're live on Newsnight. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, President Akufado has waded into the simmering chieftaincy controversy in Boku, describing it as a big security crisis. Now, yesterday, the Mampusi, a faction of the protracted Boku conflict, uh enskinned the new Boku Naba, despite the recognition of Naba Asigiri Abugdago Azorka II, by the government and the Upper East Regional House of Chiefs as the legitimate ruler of the area. Now, government has since condemned the act and has called on the security agencies to arrest all those behind the enskinment, including the man who has been enskinned himself. Now, the member of parliament for the area, Mahama Yariga, says Boku is looking up to the government to act and bring peace.
1: Government has said that the act is criminal. Government has said that it doesn't recognise the act. Government has said that nobody can pull himself out as a uh, chief of Boko other than Abu Bravo Azoka the second. Government has said that the police should look out for anybody who carries himself about as a chief of Boko other than Abu Grabo Azoka II and that the police should arrest such a person. So government has done everything. And so everybody in Boku is sitting quietly and watching the government. I can assure you that since yesterday, my colleagues and I have done everything to maintain peace in the area. We've spoken separately. Uh If you would notice, there's been no gunshots in Boku since the event yesterday thanks to the effort of the Bokunaba himself, his elders, some of us, the MPs talking to our people and pleading with them and asking them to just sit and watch government enforce its laws and not take the law into their own hands. And so everybody is sitting and watching the government to see whether to walk the talk. And if it doesn't walk the talk, then I can assure you that At a certain point, those of us holding the line might lose control. We don't want to lose control. We will continue to hold the line and leave with everybody to sit back and watch the government.
0: Well, the commander-in-chief of the Ghana Armed Forces, the president, Kufwado himself, has today been speaking about it, describing it as as a major crisis.
1: You've come at a, uh, unfortunately, at a poor time for us. We are, first of all, a big crisis on our hands in Boko, as we are speaking right now. Things that happened there this early this morning, which are causing a lot of pro- problems for the security agencies. That's why I was late. I was in a meeting with them.
0: I'll take you to the uh, region pretty shortly and speak to our correspondent who has uh, been following what has been happening there today uh, for us and uh, bring us the very latest on this. Let's go to Albert Sorry, who joins us on the telephone line right now. Albert, yesterday the uh, government ordered the arrest of the uh, gentleman who was skinned. Do we have any
2: updates on this? Evan? so the whole day we've been monitoring the situation in Boko to see if the chief who was installed yesterday will be brought into the town. As we speak, uh, we haven't seen any sign of that. All uh, sources tell us they haven't seen uh, any sign of him being brought into the Boko township today. So, at the moment, that is all the information we have. The major on, uh, fear. And we don't also know his whereabouts at the moment.
0: The major fear yesterday, even among government circles, that triggered that uh, statement was that this may trigger some disturbances in Boko. Um, what's
2: the situation on the ground as we speak? Since yesterday, we've not heard of any disturbances. Uh, activity and um, other things in the town have been normal today, except that for most people, when you speak to them, they are waiting to see what happens if they make any attempt to bring the newly installed chief into the township. So for uh, many of the residents of Boko, they feel that the disturbances may only come if there is any attempt to bring him into the township. But security are on the ground, and we are monitoring the situation to see what happens.
0: Um, thank you very much, Albert. I want to now speak to a member of the Defence and Interior Committee in Parliament, who himself used to be a senior police officer, uh, Peter Tobu, who joins us on the telephone line right now. Mr Tobu, thank you for your time here on Newsline. We just heard the President speak on this uh, developing matter, describing it as a big security crisis. You heard him. Your reaction?
1: Thank you very much, Ibn. Let me say good evening to you and good evening to our cherished listeners. It is a very bad day for me being a member of parliament, a member of the defense and interior committee, and also a former police officer, understanding the security implications of what just happened. The president got it right when he expressed war and, 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 and making it very clear that it's a very serious security matter for the country to, to begin to, to have a second look at. I am rather very surprised that Boko had been in the news for long. Government has committed so much resources to ensure that There is some semblance of peace in Boko so that we will look for a lasting solution to the Boko crisis. It was in this period where uh, there are a lot of soldiers in Boko and a lot of police officers have been deployed in Boko that the Minister for Defense, the Minister for Interior, His Excellency the President himself, they have said it clearly. Matter of chieftaincy in Boko is a close case. we said it. And in the last time, the Minister for Defense came to Parliament and told us that we should treat anything in Boko as a pure criminal matter. That chief matter is closed in Boko, and we all took it in good faith, only to just realize this morning that they have installed another chief. And scanning a chief for the people of Boko by Nairi, which has been the bane of contention for years, shows that whatever government has told us, and we're trying to believe that the matter of chieftaincy in Boko is over, is not the truth. There is something more. And some of us are believing that we need to have a national conversation about the Boko issue. Let's raise it to the national level. It's no longer a Boko matter. Let's make it a Ghana matter. And if we make it a Ghana matter, we can find some illustrious sounds of this country with some pedigree to begin to look at the Boko issue. Let's let's examine it. Let's analyze it. Let's find a solution for it. Are
3: you suggesting, but we're made
1: to believe that it is sug- over.
0: We have a template there in the way the country dealt with the Dagbon crisis, where you had uh, other eminent M&M people from other parts of the country getting involved, and we, we've seen the uh, achievement of, of, of peace in, the, in Dagbon. Are you suggesting a similar approach in, in Boko?
1: Exactly, that is what I was looking at. I was looking at, probably looking at the, the head of the legislature, talking about the Speaker of Ghana's parliament, that will represent the people. If the people are suffering, if the people are in conflict, over decades and there is no solution, what can the, this huge organ of state, the parliament of Ghana, do? in finding a lasting solution to Boko. I'm sure that the, the good offices of the Speaker of Parliament can be used by His Excellency the President with the support of state authority and, and the willingness of the political body in this country. I think we can be able to find a lasting solution to the Boko incident. But what happened is a total failure of intelligence. Because if what is happening in Boko, if people can still and a cheese in the name of Boko, whatever it is in this country, and in the period of the enskinment, it is, it is a process. In the period of the enskinment, it's going to take an hour or two. And intelligence will not help us to just get there and nip it in the bud. I think that that failure is, is telling, and it, it's quite unfortunate.
0: Thank you very much, Peter Tobu. Uh, he's a member of the Defense and Interior Committee in Parliament. He himself a senior police officer, former senior police officer in Boku. This year alone has claimed at least nine lives. Um, this, there was a, a recent killing as well that moves the number way over ten and the security agencies and the entire national security apparatus, including the Ghana armed forces, on the ground now on high alert following the inskinment of another chief yesterday. That individual who was skinned is now a wanted man, and the police are still in hand for him. It's a Live Your News tonight. It's on join 99.7 FM. Now, with the domestic debt action program out of the way, it is now tonight a race against time. To get Ghana's bilateral and commercial foreign creditors to also agree to restructure our debt. Ghana must meet five prior conditions agreed with the International Monetary Fund IMF before the country can access the critically needed $3 billion bailout. Time is now running out with the next IMF Executive Board meeting in March. Today the finance minister Keno Friata, was emphatic parliament must play its part to satisfy that uh, prior condition needed for the bailout.
4: Mr. Speaker, all these efforts will be greatly enhanced if the income tax amendment bill, the excise duty and excise tax stamp amendment bills, as well as the growth and sustainability levy bill, which are standing in this August House, could be prioritized and passed. Mr. Speaker, the passage of these bills will enable government to complete four of the five agreed prior actions in the staff level agreement since tariff adjustment by the PRC, publication of the Auditor General's report on COVID-19 spending and onboarding of Getfund, Fund, DACF, and Road Fund on the give have all been successfully completed. Mr. Speaker, I cannot emphasize enough the need to secure the board approval for our IMF program by the end of March 2023. I therefore entreat the House to prioritize approval of the outstanding revenue bills and the various concessional facilities so that we would ensure that the board meets successfully in March in Washington. And we also have the appropriate resources um, for growth from the facilities which are concessional.
0: Will He give the following update on Ghana's desperate attempt to get its bilateral and commercial foreign creditors to also agree to restructure the country's debt.
4: Mr. Speaker, this significant milestone of the success of the domestic debt exchange program would also build momentum for a standard restructuring program which has also commenced. As part of this progress, Ghana has officially asked its bilateral creditors for a debt treatment initiative under the G20 Common Framework. Consequently, Mr. Speaker, Ghana co hosted a meeting with the Paris Club, including both Paris Club and non Paris Club creditors, on 10th January 2023. We reiterated the requests for expedited treatment under the common framework and presented our economic and fiscal outlook as well as taking so far of the DDEP. Most importantly, Mr Speaker, we made it known that we expect the Creditor Committee to be formed in an expeditious way to facilitate the programme to ensure that we are able to go to the fund board in March. We have started the process of negotiating in good faith with our commercial creditors. Two preliminary discussions and exchange of information have started on a good footing with representative committees and advisors. The members have indicated their commitment to establish a creditor committee to assess Ghana's requests for debt treatment under the common framework by end of February 2023. We hope, Mr. Speaker, our commercial creditors will understand our desire to negotiate with our bilateral creditors softer terms than the ones we anticipate to propose to them. As a speedy process with the bilateral creditors is needed to pave the way for the discussion of private creditors. Mr. Speaker, we are also approaching major creditors like India and China to ensure that our discussions with the Pirate Club is accelerated. Mr. Speaker, we've also negotiated discussions with the representative of our international holders and the advisors. Substantive discussions are due to start with them in the weeks to come.
0: Well, in the last few days, there's been criticism uh, directed at the government for overborrowing from the central bank, the Bank of Ghana. The finance minister today explained that Ghana's current situation is so dire that the Bank of Ghana has been forced to fund the budget.
4: Mr. Speaker, as already stated in the House in November, we did lose assets to the international capital markets at the beginning of 2022. At the same time, budget implementation was confronted with domestic financing challenges from the auctions As well as lower than estimated domestic revenue mobilisation, this presented a very challenging macroeconomic environment during 2022, leading to a widened financing gap of the budget, and therefore became necessary for the Bank of Ghana to fund shortfalls at the auction market to avoid its orderly default and prevent a deeper crisis. Mr. Speaker. It was necessary for the government to seek financing from the Bank of Ghana to augment its fiscal operations for the year. The Bank of Ghana last week concluded work on its financial accounts for 2022 and reports that the total overdraft extended to government for 2022 was $37.9 billion. Mr. Speaker, in line of Section 30, clause 6 of the Bank of Ghana Act 2022, one 612, I'm using this platform to inform the legislature of the financing of the budget by the Bank of Ghana. The domestic debt exchange exercise and the standard debt restructuring program will make such financing unnecessary going forward in 2023 and
0: beyond. Uh, let's bring in uh, Professor uh, Bokwing, uh, the professor of finance at the University of Ghana, joins us on the telephone line, Rainer Prof. Thanks for your time here on Newsnight. Yes,
1: good evening, Irvam. And good evening to you, our
0: individual born of the best. And, Prof, today, the finance minister is now, you know, clearing the path now. Now that they've done with the uh, domestic debt exchange program, focusing now on the next big hurdle, uh, getting our foreign, you know, creditors to to agree to restructure. And he says something: "Quote, the members have. This is the members of the creditor committee have uh, indicated their commitment to establish a creditor committee." To assess Ghana's request for debt treatment under the common framework by end of February 2023, will this be enough to pave way for an executive board approval in March? And is this time frame even realistic?
1: Yes, yeah, thank you very much, Ivan. Um, typically, it's easier uh, restructuring the domestic debt, and we have seen what happened within two months, essentially. Government was done. It's also because of the divide and rule approach, because the domestic creditors couldn't form one committee in order to negotiate from of strength. But that that same strategy will not work with uh with our international creditors or external creditors. That won't work. Um, so, in response to the question, there is a high possibility that the IMF will give us a program end of Q1 because without that, with the dwindling international reserves, the country will be exposed and the city will become under community pressure. So there's a high possibility that the the, the IMF will give us a program even before the completion of the external debt restructuring. Why am I saying so? With the external debt, particularly when it comes to euro bonds and the rest of them, look, it's not going to be that simple because... You know, in the case of the domestic debt exchange, uh, because we didn't have a unified front, we couldn't negotiate from position of strength. We even didn't ask for the debt sustainability analysis, the projections, the assumptions to interrogate it. But when it comes to the external debt, they would demand all those things. They would validate the assumptions underlying the, the debt sustainability analysis jointly done by the IMF and the World Bank. They will demand all of that. They will validate. They will look at the projection. They will look at the fiscal outlook. They will look at all those things before they will come on board. And therefore, if we are saying that we will have to complete that one before IMF will give us a program, that, that will be as difficult as asking fish to climb the tree. Okay, so chances are that the board will give us a program while negotiations are uh, continue. For the restructuring of the external debt. Look, Evans, the other thing to also note is that, you know, government's focus on the external debt is elevated now because government didn't get exactly what they had wanted from the domestic debt exchange. If you look at the original uh, uh, memorandum uh, announced on December fifth, and the universe of eligible bonds, and at that time, pensions were included and all of that. Now that we've excluded all of that, in excess of $30 and all of that, government got something lower than what they had anticipated. Actually, with the various amendments, which is good for the stability of the financial sector and the economy as a whole, how much banks, insurance companies, securities uh, firms saved is how much government had to give up. So so in closing the, the, the gap, from the domestic debt exchange, we, we achieved, we made progress, but that was a bit limited. And therefore, there's a need for uh, external debt restructuring to be elevated. Beyond that, there will also be a need for some level of fiscal adjustment, expenditure-based adjustment, together with the what they have gained from the domestic debt exchange and then the external, in order to work more towards uh, 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 achieving the debt sustainability by 2028, essentially bringing up debt-to-GDP ratio in present value terms from where it is now to 55%. Remember, when the IMF completed their uh, debt sustainability, uh, somewhere maybe October there, but from October to now, the depreciation of the ceiling has added significantly to the debt stock. And because the debt sustainability analysis essentially uses a discount rate of just 5%, the difference between the nominal and the present value terms is not that much. So that, so our debt to GDP ratio in present value terms now is more than 110 wow. percent. Now, if you work with that, hello, yes, Ivan, if you work with that and you want to achieve debt sustainability, bring it down to 55 percent in five years, then you need to do a private balance of not less than 12 <laughs> percent. That will be too much for the fiscal alone to contribute, and that is why the debt restructuring is very key. You also heard the chair of finance committee in parliament saying that domestic debt is not enough. Uh, debt restructuring is not enough. Yes, he's right. Because we, we, we knew this long ago. And that is why we have spoken earlier about the triangle approach. To restoring debt sustainability essentially involving fiscal adjustment structural adjustment and debt restructuring yeah, and, and prof yeah. you,
0: you just made that point about uh kukukwatin's sessions today and for those who did not hear i want to bring that uh sound for them to listen to and i'm also being joined by uh, the uh ranking on the mines energy committee in parliament he himself is is a politician and uh kukukwatin was was clear that charity must begin at home, amongst the MPs themselves and the executive. Hello, John Jinapal. Thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Hello, Mister Jinapal. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you. Uh, th- this is uh, Kwaku Kwating speaking today on the floor of Parliament.
5: Mr. Speaker, that treatment and the domestic that exchange program as has been deployed by government is good. But it is not enough. Mr. Speaker, the state of our economy now would require more than a debt treatment. Mr. Speaker, not only should we support government to cut their interest commitments. In our economy, we must pursue an aggressive program to rein in expenditure. And we must do that, not just for today, we must do that going forward, Mr. Speaker. I dare say, Mr. Speaker, that in doing this, and I speak not just to the executive, I also speak to ourselves as members of parliament. In cutting expenditure, charity must begin at home. And we must lead by example. Mr. Speaker, how many times have we not had the people who elected us into office say that they have issues with the V8 that we use? How many times have we not had our people complain about the ex-pressure we take? Mr. Speaker, I'm making the point, I'm making the point, Mr. Speaker. That the problem we have on our hands today is not just a debt treatment matter. There is a need to deal with a fundamental weakness that has characterized the management of our economy for decades. We are reaping what we have sought as leaders, as governments, and as a people.
0: Mr. Idulapod, do
1: you agree with your colleague? Absolutely.
5: But it doesn't end there.
1: Why should the minister be given a V8 just like that of an MP? What does the minister do that the MP doesn't do that requires that the state would buy a V8 for a minister, a V8 and a saloon car for a deputy minister, fuel it, provide them with all those texts, and yet the MP doesn't benefit from that? So it must cut across. Why should the DC? Who is below the pecking order of a minister of a, an MP be given all those pecks when an MP doesn't even get a quarter of it? So I agree that we must cut costs, but that cost should cut across right from the executive through to the judiciary to parliament. If it means that all of us, not just MPs, all arms of government, ought to sacrifice in order to restore this country to macroeconomic stability. I am for it all. Because even this debt exchange, Mm. and Paul was making the analysis, they were looking at 137. 137. Eventually, they've had to go down to 97 and succeeded with just 82. So even if you look at the domestic debt exchange alone, the original program in terms of the quantum and leaving the 0%, 5%, and graduating into 2027, it has been a monumental failure, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now they are here to go and deal with the external. And so we are not out of the woods yet. We still have a lot to do. And I think that government officials, and the finance minister in particular, ought to communicate with extreme caution. Today,
0: he had a special appeal to parliament that uh, you can assist him get the executive board approval by uh, passing uh, a number of bills. That is part of the prior conditions that we agree with the IMF to get the board approval. And he was asking that you expedite the passage of these bills. This is the passage of the, uh, uh, the uh, prior actions. It includes the, they've done the tariff adjustments. And I, I heard you mention that first, that it was part of an IMF conditionality, but he wanted to pass the income tax amendment bill, excise duty, excise tax stamp bills uh, and and two others. Is he going to get that support?
1: He ought to show faith. He ought to show good faith first of all. This is the finance minister who stated in the budget that as part of the domestic debt exchange program he would consult stakeholders who matter. Until parliament itself, summoned the finance minister he never thought it even wise to appear before parliament or even the finance committee to at least get our input into this whole domestic devastating program. And so the finance minister himself ought to demonstrate good faith, ought to respect parliament and consult parliament so that all of us can build consensus as to how we can take this country out of this economy quite well that we find ourselves. Because every now and then, even as he keeps assuring, The situation keeps exacerbating, the currency keeps falling, and the problem keeps compounding. I think that the finance minister should know that knowledge does not reside only with him and that he alone doesn't have the solutions to the myriad of problems that we are faced with. And that if he consults further and engages with parliament and other stakeholders, we would be able to find a solution to this problem.
0: Uh, John Junapo, thank you very much. I still have Professor... Uh, Godfrey Bockwin with me and still on the subject of, of cutting. Uh, Prof, I know you, you are a friend of organized labor. The Kwikwakwating who you mentioned earlier also had a word for organized labor.
5: But Mr. Speaker, it's not just the politician that must be by example. Our friends in labor must moderate the demand for increased wages. We must know that government expenditure can come from nowhere but either taxation or from borrowing. And when we put pressure on political leadership, the consequence is what we see before us today. We are never going to address the problem on our hands by pointing political fingers at our opponents and hoping that when we come to power, that we will do any better if the fundamental weaknesses continue to exist. Mr. Speaker, in conclusion on the debt, on, on the expenditures, we must simply stop distributing wealth we have not created. We must stop spending money that we do not have.
0: Professor Buckwing, as a friend of organized labor, what's your reaction to that admonition to organized labor? Don't Look, demand things you can get.
1: Yes, Prof. Uh, you know what? Um, At the beginning, I was a bit emotional towards the end of last year. But now, the message is coming home. Now, both sides of the political divide are coming to the realization that there is a need for us to build consensus around expenditure cuts. That is good news. We have said this long ago. Why are we saying so? And we have said that, even I will not avoid your question on the labor, I will address that. We have said that an IMS program alone is not enough. Ghana's problem is bigger than an IMS-supported program. We need serious governance reforms. We need serious structural reforms. That must underpin our, uh, uh, our uh, uh, inclusive productivity, growth, and economic transformation. We, need that. we must be willing to pay that price today to have a future we all can be proud of. We need to do that. And look, it, it must cut across. I agree. And then when you come to labor and you come to the wage bill, we must be more keen about addressing wage inequality within the wage bill. Evans, as we speak, more than 80% of the public sector workers, a little less than 700,000, they earn less than 3,000 Ghana in a month. Even, more than 80% of the public sector workers, they earn less than 3,000 Ghana in this a month. Look at that in dollar terms, how much is that? Okay, so if you're asking these people to cut something, what do you want them to cut? Life itself? Okay, so the wage bill is an issue. The productivity issues uh, have, have, to be, uh, have to be addressed. But more importantly, we must look at wage inequality within that so that together, and I believe that we can have a, a national conversation on all of this and look at it from different angles. This is not something that should be to the uh, 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 to the bosom of, let's say, the executive or something. Where Ghana has to reach, we need to build consensus across the political divide, across religious divide, CSOs, academics. We need that, the media, we need that. If we get to a point and realize that when you are confronted with the data, you will be willing to seed something for the common good. That is where we should be heading towards. And now look, it should not end here. You know, we have done restructuring before. Some other people had to pay that price. Because then our debt were hugely in the form of multilateral and bilateral. But now, because of the commercial component, individual bondholders and the rest of them, it has generated a lot of discussion. And now we are we must leverage on this. To institutionalize reforms amend the constitution we we need to do that like yesterday look and why and once we do so we build institutional independence look even in less than one year bank of ghana has given ghana government more money than the imf will give us over a three year period mm. check the data yeah in return for nothing no fiscal reform, no structural reform, no demands. But the IMF gives us $3 billion, and there are a host of reforms that we have to implement. Part of them, we even have to do it before the program kicks in. That is what they call prior actions. Look at how much Bank of Ghana has given to Ghana government. Yeah, and what, were they, what for, for what? of course we knew that we got to a point because in fact actually the minister said from the beginning of 2022 no actually ghana lost market access in the third quarter of 2021. Mm-hmm. And and from there the problem became exposed and that is why we told and we will still say it, that honorable minister of finance failed this country it was when the market rejected us in the third quarter of 2021 as a leader and taking a proactive measure that was when you should have made the call to the IMF. At that time, the Article 4 surveillance was almost concluding that Ghana's debt was sustainable. If we had made an application to the IMF in the third quarter or even using the 2022 budget, when it was presented in November 2021 as an occasion to announce uh, our intent to go to the IMF, we would have avoided this economic mess. Mm. Have to pay the price we
0: are paying now. Yeah, Prof, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for your thoughts on this matter. Uh, prof says he's no longer emotional, and uh, I'm grateful that uh, he can express his thoughts now. That the members of parliament themselves, the chairman of the finance committee, is now admonishing his own colleagues and the executive to cut, cut, cut. And later after business, uh, 10.7% of all teenage girls in Ghana got pregnant last year. That's about 102,000 teenagers countrywide who have details of that for you, plus uh, the new consumer protection law in the orphan. Uh, Details of that Uh, after George. Hello, George. What's in business?
3: Well, a lot is happening in business events and uh, coming up, government turns attention to external creditors after closing uh, some discussions on the domestic debt exchange program. And oil marketing firms, a hint of a more reduction in prices of petroleum products to the city remain fairly stable. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Allianz Live and Ghana
2: and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 244 308 for more information. MTN.
6: Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 764209 or 762792. Visit our website www.kingdomgh.com.
3: you welcome back to Business on News Night. Now, government says it is now turning its attention to external creditors after what it describes as concluding discussions on the domestic debt exchange program with local bondholders. The Finance Minister, Ken Friata, disclosed this today when he addressed Parliament on the program. He has been giving details on discussions on the debt cancellation with the country's bilateral partners.
4: That we expect the Creditor Committee to be formed in an expeditious way to facilitate program to ensure that we are able to go to the fund board in March. The members have indicated their commitment to establish a credit committee to assess Ghana's requests for debt treatment under the common framework by end of February 2023. We hope Mr. Speaker, our commercial creditors will understand our desire to negotiate with our bilateral creditors softer terms than the ones we anticipate to propose to them as a speedy process with the bilateral creditors is needed to pave the way for the discussion of private creditors. Mr. Speaker, we are also approaching major creditors like India and China to ensure that our discussions with the Parikh club is accelerated. Mr. Speaker, we've also negotiated discussions with the representative of our international holders and their advisors. Substantive discussions are due to start with them in the weeks to come.
3: Meanwhile, the Minister has also been making an appeal to Parliament to pass some tax measures that will help in actually going to the IMF for a program as well as improve the revenue situation for the country.
4: Mr. Speaker, all these efforts will be greatly enhanced if the income tax amendment bill, the excise duty and excise tax stamp amendment bills, as well as the growth and sustainability levy bill which are outstanding in this august house could be prioritized and passed mr speaker the passage of these bills will enable government to complete four of the five agreed prior actions in the staff level agreement
3: and that is the finance minister ken of expect more reductions in the prices of petroleum products in the coming weeks that is if the Ghana City remains fairly stable on the market. Who are those making this projection? There is more in this report. Some of
2: the oil marketing companies, they argue that one of the major reasons for the reduction in price at the pumps that began today was as a result of Ghana City stability. Therefore, If this trend should continue together with fairly stable prices of petroleum products on the international market, then consumers will continue to enjoy some lower prices at the pumps. Government, on the other hand, believes that, together with its gold for oil program, we could witness some significant
3: reduction in prices of petroleum products from next month. And that is a business desk report. Meanwhile, despite the reduction in the price of diesel and petrol, LPG will, however, not be changed. This is the second time this year that the price has been kept unchanged. Gabriel Kumi is vice president of the LPG Marketers Association. It's
4: unfortunate that the LPG price could not go down in line with the general downward trend that petroleum prices has taken, and this is so because the international crude oil price for finished product of LPG did not go down. Uh, we have been receiving quotes from the BDCs and our checks indicate that the LPG has gone up by about uh, 8 to 10% beginning today. Uh, so we have no other option than to pass that to, to the consumer because um, uh, the cost price of the product has gone up. For the past window, we're buying a kilo of LPG at about 13 cities uh, uh, per kilo. But beginning today, we are going to buy it at 14 cities, 50 pesos.
3: Gabriel Kumi is the vice president of the LPG Marketers Association. The energy ministry has formally written to the Bulk Oil Storage Transportation Company to deal with supply disruptions in Boupé and Kumasi. It follows what the ministry describes as low level of petroleum product stocks in Kumasi and Boupé Depot, as well as the Bono East region. The ministry in this said letter, seen by Joy Business, describes the situation as critical, hence the need for this action. Now, telecoms company AirTel Tigo, as part of its uh, commitment in supporting the health and well-being of Ghanaians, has donated medical equipment and supply to sickle cell unit at the Colibu Teaching Hospital. The donation is in line with the AirTel Tigo's Touching Lives Sickle Cell Disease, We seek to support persons living with the disease. There is more in this report.
7: As the world marks Valentine's Day, a day set aside for the celebration of love and affection. Airtel Tigo has donated medical equipment and supplies to the Ghana Institute of Clinical Genetics at the Kolibu Teaching Hospital. The gesture is to show love to people living with the sickle cell disease. The medical equipment donated include infrared vein finders, mobile oxygen cylinders, and many others. CEO of Airtel Tigo, Leoscalators, indicated that the primary objective of the initiative is to enhance the lives of individuals who are living with sickle cell disease.
4: Since 2022, Airtel Tigo, through its corporate social responsibility, Airtel Tigo Touching Lives, Sickle Cell Edition, has sought to educate and raise awareness of sickle cell while improving the lives of those affected by it. We partnered with the International Sickle Cell Center an organization made up of medical practitioners and activists to develop a series of educational materials and blog posts on sickle cell disease.
7: The director of the sickle cell unit at Kolebu, Dr. Ama Akwesikuma, stated that the donation from Airtel Tegu was very timely.
3: All well, events and tonight on PM Express, you're talking about the Gold for Oil program and whether that is the solution to the high prices of petroleum products. That we are experiencing currently, there have been several arguments put forward about what this program is supposed to do. But is it achieving the set results? And the concerns that players in the industry have expressed about this product. So, I'll be engaging the Deputy Minister of Energy, Andrej Pamesa, on PM Express at 9 p.m. So you can join us, Evans. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward <laughs> to one answer. When will I
0: see the direct result in the tank? when I buy it okay. at the POMS.
3: Okay. It ask him for me. Okay. So at 9 p.m. and all our social media platforms, remember to join us for PM Express Business Edition with the Deputy Minister of Energy, Andre Jepam-Mesa, as you talk about the gold for oil program solution to high fuel prices in Ghana. More tonight. Yeah, so listen to news Newsnight. It's on Joy
0: 99.7 FM and tonight government is finalizing a new consumer protection bill that will grant uh, greater protection uh, to consumers as they go about uh, their activities, dealing uh, with uh, firms and companies and buying products, that uh, document will be sent to c- cabinet for approval. The Trade and Industry Ministry is uh, leading that initiative. Uh, we can speak now to the uh, uh, caretaker sector minister, uh, John Abdullahi Janapo who joins us uh, on the Samuel Abdullah Janapo who joins us on the telephone line right now, uh, Mr. Jinnahpo, thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Thank you for having me, Evans,
1: and uh, good evening to your listeners. Uh, Why has this become necessary? Well, first of all, um, um, as you may be aware, in many jurisdictions, consumer protection is a very important aspect of their national life. If you go to Australia, for example, they have uh, the Australian Competition and Consumer Act. If you go to Canada, they have the Canadian uh, Consumer Protection Act. Protection Act and UK and and several South Africa, Kenya, and the rest. But Ghana, we do not have a single uh, composite legislation which is geared towards protecting the rights of consumers. And we do not have the institutional framework to protect the rights of consumers. And and, uh, President Akufoado and his government are taking the view that it's about time that will promulgate a legislation, a piece of legislation which will have the exclusive overarching goal of protecting the rights of consumers. And I, I'm not going to belabor the point on the lacuna or the vacuum when it comes to consumer rights protection. I'm sure we're all very familiar with it. Many of us have examples of how um, we procure goods and services and our rights have been trampled upon, and yet we do not have the uh, requisite statutory framework to assert our rights and seek remedy. And we do not have an institution we can go to. So these are the steps we are taking to ultimately have a consumer protection bill and eventually act, and have an institution which is solely and exclusively uh, mandated to ensure consumer protection in our country, so that we can also uh, be uh, in accord with the best international practices when it comes to protection of consumer rights.
0: I, I mean, why haven't we had this before? And, and what timelines are you working with? To have well, this part-by-part? It well, it's
1: parliament? a working program. A lot of work has gone into it already. Um, in the month preceding my assumption of responsibility as a caretaker minister for trade and industry. But um, we're trying to expedite action on it. And so, uh, God willing, this week we're taking a memorandum to Cabinet, and I'm not sure we will have difficulties in Cabinet. And thereafter, we hope to be able to spearhead the passage of this legislation in this meeting of Parliament.
0: Uh, and will this come with at cost? Are you creating a, an, another uh, bureaucracy as a result of this? And some be question if that is something that we need at the time of economic crisis.
1: Well, I think those are matters that the Ministry of Finance will have to will have to, hmm. will have to uh, look at. But but first things first. I mean, the most important thing is to get a cabinet approval, and secondly, to pass the legislation in uh, Parliament. The mechanics of uh, setting up um, the institution to deal with a very this very important matter. I believe between the Ministry of Trade and the Ministry of Finance they'll work it out. But in austere times I believe that there can be um you know nuanced uh, approaches of, of, of dealing with it without uh, an unnecessary burden on the public exchequer. But I want to believe that most of us will appreciate that this is quite important. And that is why government is taking these steps.
0: Thank you very much. That's uh, Samuel Abu Jinapo. He is the caretaker minister for trade and industry, uh, pushing the passage of a consumer protection bill. That may go to Parliament next week. Let's do sports now. And I am looking forward to my own personal selfish game
8: later tonight. But I know Ms. Bau has something more for you. Hello, Miss Bau. Yes, uh, Evans. I'm sure you're talking about the game between Barcelona and Manchester United. The second half just underway. Still zero zero at the moment. Yeah. Yes, yes. Say that again. It's still 0-0. The game is already started? Already started. It has oh, started. Really? Yeah, it started Yeah. Oh, no, it started what early. Is that? He started, I think, 5-4-5 Oh, goodness me. Yeah, so uh, second half is underway. 0-0 at the moment in that Europa League fixture. But Black Stars assistant coach Masoudidi Dramani is the one entreating Guineans to be merged in the expectation for the national team following the appointment of Chris Wheaton as the team's head coach. Of course, you remember Chris Eaton was recently appointed by the Ghana Football Association to replace Otorado who left following the Black Stars' 2022 FIFA World Cup campaign. Well, the assistant coach of the Black Stars says, Chris Eaton despite his experience with the English Premier League sides, he still need time to gel.
9: We have to be very modest in terms of our... our, our Um, expectations and then support and align especially uh, uh, our 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 huge industry which is the media uh, point that we need to to have a a clear view of of how we are rolling things so that you'll be able to see that okay this is where we are this is where we are going uh, we want to go but these are the things that we need to be doing and the good thing is that we have a strong data and that's why when i was talking about the the John Penzel issue, I was saying that some players you need them now, some players you need meet them in the medium phase, some players you meet, need them in the longer term and in the, in the process of team building, that's, that's how it's going to be. Some are going to be falling off, some will fall off so early, but others are the ones that you are carrying for, for longer periods, so how do you do to be able to have them consistently be part of it? And it's about having at least a collection of 50 to 55 players. Where you know that always the revolving is going to come out from this group and once you thank have you. that one then you are building a strong so team, from
8: the team we- so that's uh, assistant coach of the black Stars, masoudi dramani has been speaking to my colleague muftar nabila abdullahi and that interview will air full on am show tomorrow on joe news channel thank you very much bow there uh, with sports well
0: tonight 10.7% of all teenage girls in Ghana got pregnant last year. That's about 102,000 teenagers countrywide. That's according uh, to the research that has been released today uh, by the, the, the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research in the latest report that disclosed uh, that this is one of the key issues now affecting teenagers across the country. Well, listen to Doctor uh, of Doctor Martha Awo, uh, with the head of social division of ISE, giving details of this research.
6: The country recorded ten point seven percent of pregnancies among teenagers aged fifteen and nineteen in twenty twenty two. The same data at the regional level shows that Northeast leads at fifteen percent, followed by Upper East at fourteen point two percent, and Oti at thirteen point eight percent. The situation in these regions were the same with just about 1% higher in 2021. Adolescent pregnancies are more common in marginalized areas and are often caused by poverty, limited employment opportunities and lack of education.
0: Well, explaining the impact, Executive Director of the Population Council, Dr. Leticia Pia, said it directly results in a higher rate of school dropouts in basic and senior high schools because you are not psychologically strong enough to stay in school
6: the link between teenage pregnancy and school dropout is very alarming research shows a direct relationship between school dropout and pregnancy among teenagers this is because teenage
0: Uh, apologies therefore the repetition of that sound also program officer for the family health division of the safe motherhood added that more than seven thousand abortions were committed by teenage girls in 2022 About 55% of pregnancies are unintended among adolescents,
6: age between the ages of 15 and 19 years. And this is more often unsafe in low-middle-income countries. As per what we have in the data, we know that we are in the range of 7 to 8,000 per year. And last year, we recorded 7,670 abortions in the age category of 10 to 19 years.
0: Uh. A lot there to chew on uh, with what has happened uh, with the teenage girls. 10.7% of all teenage girls got pregnant last year. Uh, that's a story you can find on myjoyonline.com. Read more about that and all the other stories uh, here on Newsnight. Well, that's it for Newsnight tonight. My name is Evan Spence. Enjoy the rest of your evening.